Frank Blackfire from Sodom and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, welcome back everyone. Sunny here with another brand new episode of Interview Under Fire. Frank Blackfire. I could just say that name over and over. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. This is an important yet exciting time of the year for you and the guys over at Sodom with the release of your 16th studio album. I can't believe we're even this far. You know, Genesis 19, which comes out November 27th on E1 and Steamhammer. You know, first off, congratulations on all of the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far. You know, German thrash metal, that's as good as you can get, you know, from my perspective. But before we get to all that, Frank, I'm going to ask you a very important question, okay? It's okay. a simple one, but I think it's an important one to ask, considering where we are at our lives at this point. How are you, man? <laughs> How have things been for you and the guys over at Sodom? And how's, how's life in Germany right now? Yeah, I'm pretty fine. I'm healthy. I didn't get any of that virus yet. And... uh we are the whole, the whole band is pretty yeah, pretty cool. Nobody got infected. So we're all in a good mood. And uh, I come from rehearsing like uh, a couple of hours ago. And uh, yeah, we're coming back to rehearse some stuff, even some new songs, some leftover songs that we had from the album we're working on. And uh, everybody is in a good mood and everything's fine here. I mean, of course, the situation is not. I mean, everybody wants to play live, and uh, it's not possible. But uh, yeah, we, I, especially me, I, I don't let, uh, I don't, uh, I don't need all that uh, bullshit from the government that is happening. And uh, I'm trying to be as positive as possible in this hard situation right now. <clears throat> yeah, I know staying, staying positive during this time is easier said than done. And you guys are staying busy, which is a good thing, which doing what you love, which is playing music and being away from the stage a lot as of late. How are you keeping your your uh, guitar chops these days? Is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for you routine wise lately, if at all? No, actually, uh, I play guitar every day almost. Like, uh, there's, That's good. <laughs> there's maybe one day in a week that I don't touch the guitar on weekends sometimes. Uh, but I'm addicted to guitar, and I'm a guitar teacher also. I have my students, and we play uh, as much as possible with, with Sodom in the rehearsal room. We did a new video uh, lately, and uh, yeah, we're always kind of doing something. And as I'm a full-time musician, I'm hanging on the guitar every day, pretty much. You know, and with Sodom, and not only that, you've been involved with the other notable acts like Assassin and Creator and Mystic and Widia. The list goes on. And you've been at this for nearly four decades of, you know, in your career playing music. I want to ask now, how was the touring life for you personally? Because now you're kind of just taking like an unseen step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because you played at Vakken, Rockapalast, Hard Rock, Rock Hard Festival, Abyss Underground, Obscene Extreme. And we're talking like culture, the fans, even the food. There's just so many things to pick apart about what makes touring life amazing. What was your biggest takeaway from that? Um, touring in general? You mean uh, back just, then? Like just, just. 
Uh, from where you started to where you are now, like, like, what do you miss about touring the most? You know, and you and you've been on the road so much throughout your career. You know. Yeah, of course. Uh, the most that I'm missing is to be on stage, to play live in front of people, make right. people happy with my music. That's the greatest thing uh, that I got in my life. And uh, of course, uh, if there is good food, I'm always there. <laughs> I like good food and uh, freshly cooked food and uh, yeah, it always depends where you play and uh, the festival or or show or whatever you have and sometimes there's really good food and sometimes there's bad and it, it's always <laughs> changes and uh, there's a lot of uh, yeah differences from where you go and where you play and, and I mean I, I always liked touring and touring was never a problem for me like uh, there's some musicians that don't like touring and I mean sometimes it's it's kind of if you go from here from Germany and you fly like 12 15 hours America or somewhere middle America and you play only one show and go back uh, that's kind of like uh, yeah I would have I would have like play some more shows there uh, once you have a travel like this you can uh, play some different maybe uh, countries around or something like that and uh, yeah but sometimes we had uh, one big show in, in Colombia and we, we went from Germany to Colombia to play this one show or in Costa Rica and uh, there was only one show and we got back uh, so it was a lot of traveling for one show I mean I, I more like it uh, if you go somewhere and you can play certain like countries or, or whatever and do a whole tour or at least a little tour for like uh, one or two weeks and something like that that yeah and, and those are those are maybe could be just little things if there wasn't a pandemic around but just just those little nuances that that you're just talking about those are the little things that you know i i like asking this question because so many artists have so many little things that they pick apart about you know oh like this one morning i woke up on the tour bus and i heard the drum beat of on soundtrack just little things like that you know but again that 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 shows you know and now we're what eight months removed from live music and i know germany i believe you guys did have the i think it's called i forgot what it was called it was it was it was something summer. It was like a festival where you guys had like drive-in cars that were parked in front of the stage and then did a show. We had Jennifer from Beyond the Black on the show, and they were talking about how they did the show in front of the fans, but it wasn't really fans. It was just a bunch of cars. So I don't know if you had had any experience of maybe Sodom wanting to do something like that or just getting involved in the live, live streaming because a lot of the artists have been doing that too. Oh yeah, uh, so far we, we didn't do anything like this and uh, here in Germany sometimes uh, uh, at the, there's a couple of, of um, artists playing in a, in, a, in a car cinema like uh, yeah. which is kind of like weird the people are listening to the sound over radio and they're standing there with their cars and watching the band and uh, there's no feeling coming up I guess I, I think and lately I've seen something, we have a church here where bands played and uh, there were some metal bands playing there too and uh, our former drummer Husky's band, Asphyx played there too and our guitar player York went there and he said, ah, it was kind of weird feeling because everybody was sitting there and, and their banks and uh, I mean uh, the band was playing and yeah, giving their best but uh, there was no feeling coming up, you know, it's kind of weird, it's like a 
very strange uh, concerts if they happen nowadays. Like, and I don't know if you've heard about this. So a couple months ago, at in August, there was a, a Metallica did a live streaming show here in the States. I don't know if you knew about that for one weekend. And mm -hmm. Dallas, Texas sold out immediately. We sold out. Uh, luckily, a friend of mine had a ticket and I decided to go. I didn't know what to experience. I haven't been to a show in what since March. So I, I decided to go there and it was so crazy because it made me miss the live concert experience even more because it was a drive in. And it instead of like the band, of course, Metallica, it was a it was a screen and there was just cars parked. And it was just so odd to see that. But it everybody acted like it was just a regular show. Everyone was getting drinks and food and going to their cars. And what's the most popular term we hear for bands at metal show? Let me see your horns, right? And you just see a sea of horns of fans doing that. Instead, what did we get? We got, hey, let me hear you honk your horns. So if you lower your uh, car window, you just hear a bunch of cars honking just into the distance, into the night. It was so odd for me. But <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to ask now because mm -hmm. everything that you've experienced throughout your career, all the, you know, all the fans, all the other artists, you know, the life that you've experienced on the road, and you've seen this for the last eight months, and we just mentioned it, is live streaming. A lot of the artists have been doing what they do on stage and taking it on the screen like we're doing. We're doing the interview here. But do you think quarantine-induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now from these artists, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? Oh, maybe, yeah, because it's uh, right now it's the time where, where you only can do something like this or you, you are in your rehearsal room and somebody's filming you live and you <laughs> show people how you're rehearsing or you rent a stage or something and you play live there and uh, you scream, screen it to uh, a lot of people. Yeah, maybe, but I don't, I don't think that that's it i mean it's kind of like because there's no live shows yeah the bands they want to do something and they want to uh, have contact with their fans and everything and i guess that's the only solution that uh, is possible right now but um, i guess in the future yeah if there's concerts again like they used to be who knows maybe everything changes and then who, who knows what's going on like uh, uh, with the next live shows and uh, if they happen and everything and uh, yeah I guess uh, everything's gonna be different there's kind of something going on that is really weird <laughs> yeah it's definitely uncertainty going forward and there's no right or wrong answer to this and you you laid it out perfectly with your response because there are some artists who are like oh I'm not doing anything until all this is over and there's some artists who are like yeah it's a good way for me to engage with the fans I can still you know uh, you know uh, be proactive and present my music the way I want to present it. Of course, I have the liberty to mosh in my own room if I want to. You can too if you want on that couch, find you. But you know, it's different. It may, it'll make you miss the live experience even more. And you know, Frank, I'm gonna go to the next topic. I know we've covered everything from head to toe. I promise we'll talk about Genesis 19 now. Yeah. 16th album, man. You know, easier said than done to create something like that. Coming out November 27th on E1 and Steamhammer. Tom Amber, the lead guy in Sodom. He said, this is definitely one of the toughest and most diverse studio recordings that Sodom have ever released. When I heard Genesis 19, I heard cutting edge, in your face, tough as nails, thrash as you can get, man. So, Frank, when did production start for you? Because if I'm correct, you know, this is also adding on new drummer Tony Merkel from 
Sabian does, and also with your Frank Blackfire solo project as well, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, uh, we pretty much started with Tony, um, what was it, like in, in January this year? And uh, we okay. had our first upcoming two shows were in Greece. In uh, That was in April, at the end of April, like 20-something. Uh, we were planning, yeah, that's our first show with Tony, like our first two shows with Tony. So we were like rehearsing uh, a new set list and uh, some older stuff that we never played before or that, that we didn't play for a long time because uh, Tom had some... Uh, yeah, yeah. Always had had some some problems with the other musicians with the lineup before. They didn't want to play old songs. They didn't want to grab old songs and and practice them. And and uh, the setlist was kind of like almost the same every time. But when we with the new lineup, we are always like uh, getting this song in the setlist, another song, and kick one this out. And we're always changing around, and that makes it more interesting. So we already were rehearsed and everything ready to play and two weeks before came the shutdown and we couldn't play uh, our first uh, show together with our new drama in Greece oh, and he's man. for his first shows because ever since that uh, there was no uh, no more shows no more live shows so we thought yeah what we're gonna do we have to bring out a new album this year so let's start and uh, that's how we uh, started uh, on songwriting and uh, rehearsing and uh, everybody had ideas. I mean, we guitar players uh, composed like mostly all, almost all of it. And Tom had some influence too. And, uh, but he mostly was uh, writing the lyrics and everything. And that's how we started. And uh, during the time uh, we were always uh, busy, like working out songs and uh, putting it together and everything, rehearsing and everything. And then we finally uh, bought equipment and uh, recorded everything uh, in our rehearsal room. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw two names at you, okay? You know, Siggy Bam and Patrick Engel. It was recorded by Siggy over at the Woodhouse Studio, and he's known for his work with Tiamat and Moonspell and Caliban. Patrick, who mastered the album, he's known for his work with Heaven Shall Burn. So, Frank... Was there a sense of comfortability in the studio for you, knowing their background? Um, actually, Siggy uh, Bem, I know him because I used to record something with Creator back then in at the end of the 90s, like uh, 96 or something, we recorded something at Ziggy's, and I uh, knew him already, and I guess I had the idea uh, together with Tom that uh, we, we, we wanted to go to studio at least for the final mix, we want to mix over a big fucking uh, audio desk, which is analog, because we wanted to sound the album. We want to to catch the spirit of the '80s and and kind of like capture the sound of the '80s a little bit. I mean, yeah. we didn't record. We didn't record with the tape recorder and everything. And uh, but actually, we wanted to mix over the desk and everything. And as I knew. Siggy already, I thought, yeah, let's try it with him. Maybe uh, it works out pretty good. And uh, Tom recorded vocals there, and we did the final mix there. And uh, about Patrick Engel, I don't know pretty much. I don't know him. <laughs> well, he, he makes the record, and I'm just saying it sounds amazing. So having those two involved was definitely a really good touch to have to, to add to Sodom sound, so to speak. 
Yeah, he mastered it. Yeah. And speaking of uh, keeping things in the '80s, you guys went to Joe Patagno for the album art. When I saw the album art, there's just going on. Joe is known for his work with the Motorhead, Motorhead uh, cover albums. Yeah, how did yeah, you guys, yeah. How did you guys know that Joe was the guy you wanted to go to for the cover? Uh, because Tom is already, uh, is uh, of course he's a big Motorhead fan uh, since the beginning and everything, and uh, and he always liked the artwork of Joe Patagno, and uh, he wanted to have the cover artwork done with him. So he pretty early, uh, even before we started recording or, or during. We were recording. The artwork was ready already, and uh, <clears throat> Joe Patagno sent it to us. And Tom was ah, this is the cover artwork and everything. And we were like, wow, that's fucking. <laughs> that's cool. exactly my reaction. <laughs> yeah, everybody was surprised and wow, that's fucking awesome. Man. And you guys are known for combining real thrash music with German lyrics. You have a song like on there, like called the Harpoon Harpoonier which is based on the Moby Dick novel featuring the obsessive Captain Ahab. Then you have a song like Glock and Roll. It's a story about a serial killer. Then a song called Waldo and Pigpen, which is a homage to the same name U.S. fire pilots, you know? I wanted to ask, Frank, you know, what... I mean, how important are themes to you? And to what level do you like to have a theme for your records? Because is that more about helping you guys write or sound? Or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it. But I felt like with Sodom, with Genesis yeah. 19, with everything I just mentioned with the with the themes that you have with these selective songs, mm -hmm. I felt like you had a specific goal you wanted to reach to that. Is that correct? Is there a theme you guys wanted for this? Yeah, Tom is always searching for something special. He's always into some stories or some people or something that happened in the past. And uh, he's always coming up with those things, <laughs> like stories and everything. And uh, because he's writing lyrics about it, and uh, that's how he, uh, like, uh, I mean, actually, it was kind of like this while he was writing lyrics, or because when, when we had a song done, like uh, when we had the music done, like me and uh, York, we uh, we were composing our songs and we bring it to Tom and Tom listened to it and uh, he said, yeah, I can do something like this uh, lyric wise. And he wrote lyric over it and he tried it and we rearranged a little here and there. And uh, yeah, kind of like fitted together with his uh, thinking and his themes uh, that he had in mind and lyrics and everything. and. Uh, so we, yeah, try to, for example, like sound pretty dark or something like this. And, and this has to sound more like this. And, you know, it always depended on, on the music, on, on, on the title, on the, uh, the theme that, uh, that Tom was like writing about. Yeah, you guys definitely achieved that. And Frank, you know, I want to I wanna talk about something really quick because I believe it's just as important as his band, as the band is, as you are. I know there was a gap with you and Sodom in there between 1989 and 2018. And I know you've done some singles and splits and EPs with them since then here and there. But what is the most rewarding part for someone like you, who's been with such a diverse group of other bands like Assassin, like Creator, like Mystic and Widia, and even your solo project, Frank Blackfire, and now to be returning with such a prominent band like Sodom? It's like, it's kind of like where you all started. Does it feel like a new beginning for you, Frank? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, it feels like a new beginning uh, because um, actually where our rehearsal room is right now, 50 meters from there was our old rehearsal room, like uh, 
which it's not, uh, it, it doesn't stand there anymore. But that's how we started, like 50 meters or 100 meters from there. And uh, right now we play almost in the same kind of building and uh, everything is coming again, coming back again somehow. It's kind of like a new start, but uh, it's like three, 30 years later or something like that. It's almost know. like, yeah, it's like picking up where you left off. And Tom even said, Tom even said, like Tom said, Frank uh, integrates blues and rock elements into his style. And he writes songs that could have been featured in the same or similar way on Agent Orange. So uh, when I heard that, I'm like, wow, this, it's like, you could you could put this right in between the discography where Agent Orange was for Genesis 19. It would just like you guys haven't missed a beat since then. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, that's my style. I mean, it's a long time ago when I wrote uh, Agent Orange or Persecution Mania, and but it was that was kind of like the start for me to play thrash metal, and I always continued like getting a little better, getting better and better, like technique wise and uh, a little more knowledge and uh, like uh, music theory I was learning and something like that but I'm kind of like still the same person and uh, I still like to play guitar and uh, as long as this is fun and uh, we have a lot of fun with the band we have a good like vibes and everything is, is everything is cool and we're laughing a lot and uh, yeah it feels great man so 16 albums, man. That that sounds great. I mean, if it feels great, it definitely sounds great. Frank, do you see Genesis 19 as a snapshot of where you are at a certain time in your life? Oh, maybe I see it like a, a, a mixture of um, what we did. Yeah, something like, uh, because in my songwriting, I put in a lot of old like riffs that I had on my uh, laptop for like years and years and years. I, I, I was guarding everything and then always when I have an idea, I record something on my computer and uh, I mean, who knows, Some someday you can use this riff or a whole song. I have I had so much material and I was going, wow, what can I use? And so what can fit together with Sodom? And what can I do and rearrange a little bit? And uh, yeah, that's... Uh, some very old riffs that uh, le were left over or, or that uh, was written at a time. Sometimes you, you start a song, but you never end it, but you have it there. <laughs> you have some cool riffs there, but you never ended that song for years and years and years. And uh, that's kind of like uh, how it's, how my songwriting or my songs on the album came together, like, uh, uh, like uh, together mixed with something new and, uh, I mean, I had a whole song, for example, where we did half of it. We did uh, for the Partisan, mm -hmm. the, the EP. Okay. And there was some riffs left over that I could use, definitely, because I thought, yeah, these riffs are great. And I used it for Valdo and Pigpen. And, <laughs> oh, okay. That's interesting. And added some more to it to make a whole song out of it. And uh, that's uh, how sometimes half of a song is this and half a song is this. And... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of weird how sometimes you create songs. I was I was gonna say like when you say you had riffs left over, I thought you were gonna say something like, "Oh, I that's why I have my solo project, Frank Blackfire, and that's or Widio or Creator, whatever it is." I and mean, that's that's good. You have just just so many resources where you can actually just put this riff into this band, this riff into this band, and I think that's I think that's very cool how you're able to even diversify your own songs 
into yeah. the way you wanted to shape it out. So, you know, speaking of those bands I talked about, you know, with Assassin and Creator, have your aspirations as a person or a band, have they changed or evolved since when you first started playing music in the industry? Do you see things differently now? Um, yeah, I think uh, definitely you see uh, the world different. And uh, when you are younger, you are focused <laughs> on certain things. When you get older, you have all a different interested, and you're interested in other things. And you are, yeah, you're like, uh, your whole mindset and everything changes. And uh, <clears throat> as you're getting older, I guess you think different uh, about everything, about music, about the world, about what is happening. And uh, yeah, sure. But me personally, I'm still the guitar player, the dude that always liked to play guitar and play in front of people, play live and uh, whatever. <clears throat> I mean, uh, music is my life and uh, I love it to play. Do you ever think about what you'd be doing if you weren't a musician? Oh, if I wouldn't be a musician, what would I do? <clears throat> oh, I don't know exactly. <laughs> Maybe nowadays I would try to, to help some people, like uh, help them to live more healthy or something. Um, yeah, something like that maybe, because I take care a lot about my health nowadays, yeah. which I didn't do when I was 20 or something. You know? <laughs> That's okay, we all do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you are 20, you go, you go wild, you're crazy, you're drinking and everything and partying, whatever. But nowadays you think a little different and uh, your health is a little more important than uh, before, I guess. I always wonder, do you ever do you ever get a chance to like even look at YouTube like any of the Sodom videos from like the late eighties, early nineties when you when you were there? You ever watch yourself? I don't know about you, but I'm, but if, if I were to do that myself, like oh no, I can never do that. But just <laughs> you ever you ever do that at all? Like just sit around and just like, huh? I want to yeah. see what I did in this this show. I want to see how what what did I do in this show? Does that ever cross your mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do okay. that. <laughs> I mean, if I can get my hands on old videos, I'm always interested. How was that back then? Because it's so long time ago, and you don't remember every detail you did and everything. And I'm always curious, and uh, I always like uh, when people come up with some with some footage, like uh, for example, our first show in Santiago de Chile. There was somebody filming in in, in like in the backstage room uh, before the show and everything. It's kind of cool. I mean, uh, <laughs> the whole show was crazy and everything. And uh, yeah, I like that. Even when we play shows, uh, shows with Sodom, uh, like the last couple, the last two years, we played shows and I was recording everything possible. <clears throat> like I always have my, my cam with me and I try to capture and record everything possible. Because, uh, <laughs> on, the, on a giant, like, on a giant, like, VHS camera, you remember that? Like, not the phones now, we got the phones, but you know, you're talking about the, oh, you still got it, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> only a little one. Keep that as long as you can. I still have <laughs> one where you put, like, the cassette inside and then oh, record yeah. that way. Yeah, I still have that. <laughs> yeah, this one is uh, uh, with the uh, SD card. It's a little more, yeah, but it, it's old already. I mean, it's, it's, uh, but you can use it. I mean, that's, that's, I can still use it as long as it works. I will use it. If not, I, I will buy another one, but I always like to capture like some stupid, whatever, you know, what is going on and, and some jokes and uh, it's, it's kind of cool. I like, it. yeah, I do the same, man. Uh, Frank, this has been an honor. Do you have any like last words, anything you want to mention, any shout outs, any plugs that 
you want to mention about Seldom to the fans who are listening? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we are all we are crazy to go on stage again to play live. We're all fucking. Oh, when can we play live again? And especially all, our new drummer didn't do any show with us. And of course, we want to come to United States, but I don't know. Sodom always had some bad luck to get into United States, and there were some problems and something like that. The last thing we did was the seventy thousand tons of metal, but we were, we were always in Miami, and uh, and we went to the boat, and uh, there were some people from the U.S. also, and they were able to see Sodom live, and ah, uh, oh, you have to come to United States, and yeah, we definitely want to come, but it's. It's kind of getting harder, I guess. I don't know who, who knows uh, how it's going to be like uh, next year or when it calms down or, or when, when something is going on again. Live shows, yeah, we, we definitely would love to come to the United States. And fans who are listening, they haven't been here since 1995. Like, let that sink in. And and Frank, let me just tell you something. I live in Dallas. You, you guys, Sodom, let me tell you, Thrash Metal. You guys have a community here. I'm just saying. So if you guys come to Dallas, it'll feel like home. And we're waiting. And when I said I've, that, that I've been listening to you guys for a long time, I meant it. Because we have a community here. German mm-hmm. Thrash. We had Destruction. You know, all these other bands that, that we've had on this show. It is a community here. And in the States, especially Dallas, Texas, we would love to see you guys again. And everyone who's listening, you know, make sure you purchase the record. Because Sodom can't do it without your help. Purchase purchase the records. Purchase the merch help out the bands, you know, is that much more important. I still have a stack of records. I'm still, you know, collecting on the other corner of my room and it's still building. I still, I still love the records. And just as importantly is the album art, like we just talked about, because someone worked hard at that album art. And, and, you know, having said all that, I know I'm saying a lot right now, but as everyone's listening, purchase the record and Sodom's 16th album, Genesis 19 comes out November 27th on E1 and Steam Hammer. You can listen to this podcast or interviewunderfire.com on Apple, Spotify, and all major podcast streams. Frank from Sodom, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, man. Um, we'll do this again, hopefully in the future, in person when you come to Dallas. I would love to do this in person, you know, with you and Tom and York or Tony, get all you guys involved. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's hang out and do something. Sure, definitely. I'm yeah. Pretty, I'm up to it, yeah. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Frank, thank you so much, man. We'll do this thank next you. time, buddy. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.com.